Dude, I appreciate all the time. Obviously, want to talk about the new album, talk a little quarantine, talk a little Seven Dust, and uh, get your opinion on a couple things, and, and maybe uh, jump in the DeLorean and go back in time for a couple of other things. But uh, certainly want to start with the uh, surprise EP dropping on, on us out of quarantine, right? Grief and Distance. And was that really just, you just been burying yourself in music this whole quarantine? Is that how you've been spending your time? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, you know, initially there was a lot of touring plans to support my first record, my first solo record, God Bless Renegades, and then that fell through. And it was uh, it was one of those things where my mother had just passed. Um, I was with her during that, and I just really felt a need to express myself. I wanted to stay busy. I knew I, knew I didn't want to sit around and, and mope. I wanted to kind of stay active as I possibly could. So I reached out to my team and told them what I wanted to do, and they were behind it, and I just kind of got to work right away. I love it. And I'm curious, are, are you one of those dudes that like you're humming riffs into your phone or talk a little bit about the uh, songwriting process? And I'm kind of curious, kind of the juxtaposition that songwriting solo versus Seven Dust, because I imagine writing for your solo album, it's all on you. The riff, the melody, the lyrics all falls on you, where Seven Dust, I'm sure it's a little bit more of a, a shared job duty with everybody contributing riffs and lyrics and ideas. Yeah, I mean, you know, with Seven Dust, I mean, I write a good amount. I, it's kind of the same process, to be honest with you. I Put a, I put together a lot of the music, drums, everything, and you know, with the software you have today, you can do that. I put together demos, and then the only difference, really, with um, when I write for myself or with Seven Dust, is you know, obviously, if I'm writing a vocal part or something, it needs to kind of be around what Lejean's vibe is, and, and you're right, other people will come in and and kind of throw their take on it, or or you know, we kind of collaborate once we're all together. I mean, it kind of happens different ways, but I mean, it was a lot of extra stress doing it myself because yeah. I say stress. Sometimes that can be easier because you got less less chefs in the kitchen, right? And you don't have to go through that committee with with a band. Seven us, there's like comfortable aspects to that too, because you know you can lean on other people when you don't have you're not inspired. But um, but for the most part, there's there's pros and cons with both, but um, they're definitely different experiences in terms of writing. Well, dude, I have to say thank you for not only for the EP but for the for the full album. God bless the Renegades. You have always been on my short list. You and Frankie. Bellow of Anthrax fame have been the two dudes on my short list who I've always loved their vocals but never had a side project and I've been begging for one and, and Frankie gave us altitudes and attitudes and so stoked that we finally getting to hear you sing start to finish you know not only on the EP but of course the album God Bless the Renegades and who did you kind of look to for inspiration is there anyone else out there that you kind of pointed to and said hey that guy's like me and he put out his own solo album or was it just a, a matter of all these songs piling up over the years and, and finally having some down time to get them out. Well, I'm, I've, I've released solo things in the past before. I, I released an acoustic thing called Hello Demons Meet Skeletons. I, I did a, basically a, a solo record with Morgan and that was called Me No One. Um, so I've always been, like in between Seven Dust records, I've always been kind of a the type to, to release stuff and be involved because I just don't like waiting that long <laughs> to write, you know, like two years between records is, is a long time to not create. So I've always stayed busy, but um, it's definitely one. There's a few people. Martin Tremonti stepped out and did, you know, a really good. I like his template on how he released. I always, you know, I wanted to always have the urge. You know, I wrote a lot of you know lyrics for different bands, different singers my whole life. So it felt good to finally say, you know what, I want to I want to have the opportunity to sing these songs to people and not have to, you know, live through the singer. I wanted to experience that direct connection with the fans just because I was, you know, at, at an age where I felt like I was 
earned and, you know, I deserve just a little bit of, you know, that's a huge gift when you watch people singing your songs back to you. And I just wanted to share that moment with these other guys. And, you know, I certainly don't call myself a lead singer, but I can sing, you know, it's, so it's, I just like connecting with people. Well, it's authentic. I was even playing it for my wife, and and she's not a hard rock or heavy metal fan, but I was like, dude, I believe every word this dude says, and that's what it's about is authenticity. You're you're honest in your singing. I believe you. Absolutely. Well, man, that's the biggest compliment any anybody can get. That's all I want from an artist. I want to believe what they're saying. I want to believe that the pain in their voice or the happiness in their sound, whatever it is, I just want to believe it. And that, that's that's a, that's the nicest thing I can ever hear. Well, I love it, man. And and uh, you had mentioned Mark uh, Tremonti and got to tour as a solo artist with them earlier this year, opening up for Alter Bridge. Um, I was bummed I missed you at, at the Wiltern back in January. Monday nights are always super tough to get out to. Too, but uh, your thoughts about that tour and, and the opening band, really cool dudes, Deep Fall. Yeah, I mean, that tour was probably the most ideal tour I could be on in, in terms of my first one because because of the brotherhood I have with Alter Bridge, because of that family energy that I have with them. So they're, they're such a supportive band and crew to, to go out there. And you're already nervous. You're already, you know, hoping that everything goes off. But to have some familiar faces around me was, was definitely took the edge off. And I had one of the best times I've ever had tour on that run what do you imagine touring to look like i mean you're a guy that's been in touring for years and years and years what's going to make you feel comfortable as an artist or what needs to be in place before you fire up the uh, touring machine again as an artist well you know there's there's the obvious uh vaccine would be great you know uh some better solution in terms of how to stop and slow down the spread there's a lot of debates and a lot of different uh views on this so my thing is just i want to be able to play shows when i want people the first and foremost i want people to be safe and healthy and i don't want to be uh involved with putting people carelessly putting people in a room and spiking any of those and putting anyone in danger just to watch us play but i certainly don't want to live in fear either I think that there's there's, there's going to come a time and place where we also have responsibilities, personal responsibilities on our health and taking care of ourselves. And I'm a big fitness guy. I believe there's a lot of things you can do to kind of offset, you know, the, the immune system is, it's, it's, it works on fitness levels as well. You know, so I think there's like a personal responsibility everyone can take on their own, you know, in their own personal health. But yeah. as, as, I don't know, man, I mean, we could go on and on, but at the end <laughs> of the day, I just, I don't want any, I want this to kind of, be sorted out a vaccine would be great i don't think touring is going to kick fully in until that happens you know i always wonder about like a kind of an unintended consequence of this whole pandemic is this like going to be the end of moshing or, or even meet and greets are you, you going to look at meet and greets differently putting your arm around somebody for a photo or anything like that yeah i, mean, I there's no question for the next few months or in our first year or two of this there's going to be a shift in the way that all those things feel and the way that they are. Um, I, I feel like it, with the meet and greets, people have mentioned that. I, I feel like that's the easiest way to practice the, the precautions uh, with hand sanitizer and with mask. I feel like there's a way you can kind of do that, you know, without it being completely weird outside of the hugging. It's the it's the actual live show that that's where you get people sweating, yelling, singing right <laughs> into each other's faces. Yeah, that's where the that's the problem zone. That that's where it would be an issue. I think the meet and greet would be the easiest thing to do. You could even do it on Zoom if you wanted to. That's what I was kind of thinking. Like, you know, if that would yeah, be the future I, of it. I just, I, 
I, I love when people spend their hard earned money. When they spend their money, I, I love the hugs. I love being right up with them and talking to them and really connecting with them. We don't we don't cattle call our people. We always sit around with them and hang out and talk and actually get to know them a little bit. So I wouldn't want to give anyone a cheap version of that, you know. Yeah, no. I mean, you guys are always the real deal and take the time with the fans. One of the things I love about you. Majority of that time was Seven Dust and wanted to talk a little bit Seven Dust and album number thirteen coming in in twenty twenty one. Have you guys thought about just calling it thirteen like a lot of bands do nowadays? Uh, that's probably why we didn't is because that is like the obvious play. But damn, I really want to because that just <laughs> sounds so cool. But um, yeah, it, it still baffles me. I mean, we thought we were going to do two, three records and be a band that just kind of fades in obscurity we had never had any, any expectation on being around this long uh so we're every record we do is a milestone every record that we uh every tour we do is like you know we, we're still in a kind of disbelief very thankful for it so it's 13 i mean that's just like for any band to do that with and then you put original members on top of that it's yeah. a very very unique situation and we're, we're and we're aware of it you know and another album with the elvis basket if it ain't broke don't fix it right yeah he's he's our dude right now and we're loving him and he, he kind of gets what we're trying to do i mean i don't know maybe we'll work together again maybe not I, right now i don't have any plans on seeking out anyone else I and mean, we already have a good trust with him and there's nothing wrong with that recipe right now for us and just creatively he makes it super comfortable and that's all we really care about you know speaking of uh, only not even being able to dream of 13 albums i wanted to kind of go back and and uh go back to the early part of the seven dust career for a second as a la southern california a guy have a little little bone to pick as a Seven Dust fan because we didn't get the the 20th anniversary celebration of the debut album. But I'm hoping you're going to make it up to us, Angelinos, with maybe a 20th for my favorite album, Animosity, that turns 20 and 21. Oh man, there's no question about it that we're doing the, and that. Animosity is my favorite as well, so I'll definitely be pushing to do a lot more expensive 20th anniversary shows. I mean, it's hard to play your first record. It's, it feels like you're like going back and putting on what you wore in in elementary school. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like wow. But uh, you know, we're we're proud of all the records. But Animosity, I really look forward to doing that one live, and we're, we have definitely have plans on expanding the the touring radius for that. So yeah, it'll be we'll, West. If, if people want us there, we'll come. Hey, speaking of 20-ish years ago and the West Coast, and I heard the news the other day, and it kind of made me think of you inadvertently, but have you heard the news about the Playboy Mansion and the grotto being destroyed and demolished? Like, no. and I remember, Oh, man, that's crazy. Yeah, and I remember seeing you guys perform acoustically there back around 20-ish years ago. Yeah, yeah, we did like a Cuddy Sark kind of uh, banquet thing or whatever. Yeah, I remember it. I'm I mean, who's going to forget that? <laughs> yeah, nobody's going to. Dave Draymond was there with us. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was a trip. And it was like, it was nowhere near as glamorous or, or, or decadent as everyone thought it was. It was like completely tame, not a ton of people, you know, no playmates or anything like that. It was just like a few girls walking around. And, you know, it was like, not that it, you know, I mean, I, who cares? I'm too old anyway. But <laughs> it was just, and married kids, you know, that, that don't appeal to me. But back then, I mean, we were still kind of, you know, we were hoping for a little bit different of experience. But yeah, that's that's crazy. They're going to tear that down, man. Yeah, it's, it's, apparently I think it's already done, like demolished. Oh. As we speak, like, and and I'm sure more the you know the petting zoo and everything else they had going on, I'm sure is is next now that uh, Hugh is gone. Yeah, yeah, he's gone, and no real reason to keep it unless he had an heir to the throne. Yeah, I don't think that's happening. Hey, uh, I appreciate all the time. A couple uh, other things I wanted to fire up the DeLorean and and take you back.
back and, and better get some memories and stories of one of the coolest festivals ever, Tattoo the Earth. And man, like what a sign at the times that tour was coming, all these next wave kind of bands that were, you know, around 20 years ago, maybe a little bit, yeah, about 20 years ago. That was early 2000, 2000 2001. Slayer out yeah. there, but like Slipknot, you guys exploding, System of a Down, like all these killer bands. Curious of, of your uh, recollection of that tour. Any highlights from you? Any memories? Yeah, I mean, that was about the dirtiest, hottest, rawest, heaviest tour that we've ever done. To be sandwiched, to be the type of band we were and to be playing, you know, after Sepultura, before Slayer, you know, <laughs> and then and then with uh, Slipknot, thinking about it like that, just surviving that, like, as an artist. Like, that's a very tough, you know, those, those crowds are real hardcore. So we went out just swinging as hard as we could just to survive on that tour. And we earned a little bit of respect in the heavy community on that tour. And there was such great energy on it and it was just a bit like i said it was dirty and gritty and dark i mean there was we were going for it in all different types of ways back then but um you know that i, I got a lot of cool pictures of that a lot of cool memories of it um i remember connecting with the, the slipknot people back then and you know we were all just trying to compete with each other and it was just a cool thing that yeah, was like a healthy rivalry and and like the the next calling like the next wave of of hard rock heavy metal bands coming in and i miss that about this day and age i mean not that anything could tour in 2020 but there wasn't even a hard rock heavy metal festival set up going into this year and maybe it's time to uh dig up tattoo the earth and maybe we could do a 20th anniversary tour of tattoo the earth or something yeah i mean yeah i'll talk to talk to slipknot they're going to be the ones to uh spearhead it and make it happen since they were the headliners and they've grown to such levels you know since then which is uh, understandably they deserve it they're a great they're a great entertainment i'm just all around just great bands so, yeah. yeah i'm down to do it or maybe Maybe family values. You were in corn. Maybe you got some connections there. Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll go wherever they invite us. <laughs> You know what I mean? Right now, we just want to play anywhere. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. Appreciate all the time. couple last things for you. One to, one to uh, talk a little bit of uh, nepotism. Your brother, Corey, obviously, you guys played together uh, both, ironically, in Seether. He's in that band now. But I was even thinking about, before all of that, I kind of wanted to go back. You've heard that infamous story about uh, Dimebag and, and Vinnie Paul playing smoke on the water till their ears bled like in their garage as kids growing up and i'm curious if you and your brother had a tune like that that you first learned and, and played to death and what that song was oh man we had we had a bunch of them i mean i was a drummer first so we used to play like play that funky music white boy all the time but <laughs> me and my brother we played everything man like it was we would shed it together for many years and we in cover bands for six years together we played everything under the sun we were of the same variety that uh, dime and Vinny were uh just brothers that loved the music passionate about it and connected there's a thing that happens between brothers that is it's a it's a deep spiritual connection you know they fight a lot they do a lot of that but there's a there is a wavelength that they understand about each other and there's Sometimes that that tension between brothers can create some you know amazing music. What made you switch from drums to guitar? Uh, man, to be honest with you, my mom and dad didn't have enough money to buy the drums that I wanted, and I was playing guitar, and there wasn't a lot of guitar players writing songs in my neighborhood. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm gonna be a guitar player, <laughs> you know. But I, drums were my first love, and I still love them. And good times playing in, in Seether. You got to tour with Seether for for a few there. Yeah, man, it was cool. It was cool. It was different for sure. With the South African, were they different? Hang different types of people, or 
Yeah, man. I, I hung out with John and uh, Dale a lot. And, uh, Sean's, you know, he's always kind of in his own little world. But I mean, I, it was really cool of them to invite me to do that. And I have nothing but love and for, for their success and where they go. And, um, you know, I, I feel real strongly about being a part of something. I, you know, with Seven Dust, I, I'm very much involved in the writing and, the, and, and what happens in that band. So, you know, see, there is more, was more of a me just kind of helping them do, you know, realize their, their dream and play, play live shows so uh, it, as much as I did love doing that and stepping outside of Seven Dust uh, just for a second and playing with them it was I felt I don't for me it wasn't the fit to, to kind of be a higher gun kind of I wanted to you know, be my own person And but I definitely love those guys they, they, they make great music great songs Sean's a great songwriter and wish wish Corey the best with them Corey and Sean are very tight you know they're like brothers so I'm sure that they'll be making you know a bunch of music in the years to come looking forward to that I appreciate all the time Clint last couple couple things for you. I wanted to play a little music game that I like to play because ultimately we're all music fans. What you do, what I do on the radio side, we're, we're music fans. So I wanted to go back. We've been talking a lot about the early 2000s. I want to go back to the early 90s and, and play a little game I have called the Flannel Five. Kind of curious. Okay. Not that these bands could tour and you could see where I'm going, but just kind of your overall numero uno out of the bands that ruled the early 90s. We're talking Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, Alice in Chains, or Soundgarden, who would be your numero uno of the Flannel Five? Oh, man, that, that's hard because I adore every one of those bands. Uh, but I would have to say be Soundgarden number one, no question, and a very, very, very close second in Alice in Chains. <laughs> that's, that's pretty common, but tell me why. Is it Chris Cornell? What, what edges Soundgarden out over Alice in Chains for you? <laughs> Cornell, man, is like, you know, definitely in the top five artist, singer, songwriter. I mean, I just, I, I love everything that he's ever done. And in, in, in terms of the musicianship from Kim and, and everyone else, like it's in band, it's just, there was a unique uh, pot of talent in that band that just created some amazing material. Uh, you know, with Allison Chains, Lane Staley and, and Jerry's connection, that was, that really was everything that was magic about that. that and just the, the fact that they were um, two different voices and that, he, Jerry was always an um, inspiration to me in terms of being the guitar player that could sing, but not not the full singer. But also, but added on a flavor, you know. I mean, Jerry yeah. was a huge part of what what Allison Chains was. But just overall, man, Soundgarden just could do no wrong. Still <laughs> can't do no wrong from their first release to the last. I just love everything. Did you ever get to uh, see him side stage or or spend any time with Chris or any of the guys? I met Chris one a couple times briefly, um, you know. But I, I was I've never been one to down people that I idolize. I just don't, uh, I, I don't want to ruin any kind of expectation or image I have of him because sometimes you can meet some of these guys and kind of be hardcore, but he was, he was pleasant to me and that's all I needed. And, uh, you know, Trent Reznor is the one I've never met that I, he's, he's probably the, you know, the <laughs> top guy, but I have a feeling he would, he'd be brutal to me for some reason. <laughs> but I, I love him. I love and respect what he does. Well, funny you mentioned Trent, and we'll get to him in just one second. To put a button on Soundgarden, pick a uh, Soundgarden tune to play on the radio for us. Oh, man. Super, I, I've, I've been digging on Super Unknown. It's just one, one of those songs that I just, there's such a cool vibe to it. So Super Unknown, jam that one. We'll rock that one for you. I'm glad you mentioned Trent Reznor because that was my last question for you. It's kind of a newer one that I've come up with and I've been spending a lot of time with. And one debate that I can get into with my wife because she loves Nine Inch Nails too. But here it is. I want to know from you. Album one versus album two. Pretty Hate Machine or Downward Spiral, your favorite and why? Oh, man, that's just 
are crazy. Um, <laughs> I'd say downward spiral because I saw them in Madison Square Garden on that tour, and it completely shifted my view on bands having commercial success without having to you know skin the cat with a popular rock song. I mean, Trent Reznor had a collective audience that was huge. It was dark and it was aggressive, and it was just he found more of a stride on that than Pretty Hate Machine was a groundbreaking record, but Downward Spiral was where he was really coming to an, into his own and finding his niche and just really, I mean, there's, there's stuff that's done on that record that no one's been able to top since. No, and it was it was a real journey. It was an experience listening to that album, or Pretty Hate Machine. Oh, yeah. It was great, but it was kind of all one one tempo, one vibe, where Downward Spiral really took you on a journey. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that Pretty Hate Machine was written in crayon, and Downward was written with a fine, you know, beautiful, <laughs> you know, with a pen, with ink made of blood. I mean, it was just a really good record. Do you have a favorite tune off of, off of that album in particular? Not really. Really, man. I mean, you know, probably March of the Pigs, you know, yeah. that's one of that, that just like song is just brutal, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it was one of the best songs I saw him do live, you know? Nice. To hype me up for before football games, throwing that on and banging that. And you were talking about that, that tour. I remember that tour. It was Jim Rose Circus and Marilyn Manson opening up on the uh, Downward Spiral tour. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. And yeah. Rob, the guitar player, had a broken hand on half, most of it. Yeah, it was, it was great. Clint, you rock. I appreciate all the time. One last question to get outside of music and, and learn a little something about you, but kind of a fill in the blank question when it comes to blank i spare no expense oh man when it comes to recording equipment <laughs> i swear outside give me I something outside no of music let learn a little something about clint the dude not the musician kind of like not rock and roll but when it comes to fitness equipment i don't spare i've looked at all this crazy stuff that i bought i got tons of weights and apparatuses rowers and you know assault bikes and everything in my house so i spare no expense when it comes to fitness gear yeah, I love it too. You mentioned that earlier about taking care of yourself in fitness and everything. And I've been started doing burpees and now doing yoga, even during this quarantine, to to just stay up as fitness as much as possible. Because yeah. I think the healthier, it's huge the, man. Yeah, the better chance you got to fight in this thing, man, for sure. Everything, yeah. And there's no question that that is not debatable, and that's what I like to go with. You know, what is not debatable is that I can do I can do that for myself. Yeah, and you know the great thing too is you never feel bad after you do a workout, and it's something that you can actually do and see the results. And where a lot of other things in life, you may be frustrated and not get the promotion yeah. you want or the tour you want or whatever it may be. But it's like you work out, you see that progress and you can see what you're doing for yourself and feel better for it and be healthy. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it battles neurological diseases. It battles my depression. It battles stress. I mean, it's just, that's what it's, it's so many things. You know, I take one hour out of my day to, to go through pain so I can have 23 hours of, of a healthy lifestyle, you know. Yeah. And it's kind of nice when you kick your own ass instead of the world. You know, the world's going. Going to, but it's better when you can inflict a little pain on yourself. So when the world yeah. does, it ain't, ain't so bad. Yeah, it makes you harder to kill. Yeah, exactly. Clint, it, it has been an honor and pleasure to talk to you, man. Longtime fan. Thank you so much for the time. All right, brother. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Later. Dude, you rock. Thanks for checking out the entire podcast. Now do me a favor and subscribe to it. Radioactive Mike Z, available on all the major platforms. And while you're at it, follow me on Instagram at MikeZ967 and I'll follow you back, bro. Most importantly, don't miss the show, Wired in the Empire, every Saturday night, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on 96.7 KCAL Rocks.